Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode 13, Resolutions as Gifts to Ourselves. First of all, welcome to 2024. I hope your holidays were full of connection and joy, and that the end of the year was gentle on you. So here we are at the beginning of a new calendar year. And for a lot of people, especially, I think it's an American thing, that means resolution time, those New Year's resolutions, that whole new year, new you energy that we'd like to lean on. And then often, <laughs> well, where does it go? It kind of disappears once the year gets in, gets into gear, doesn't it? I don't know if New Year's resolutions are really as big a thing anymore as they seem to be when I was a kid and a teenager. I think there's been sort of a growing awareness that they're not necessarily all that effective and maybe some pushback against them. But also, I still see the phrase used in marketing. I see it all the times in memes. It's all over the internet. And even if we're having the discussion of like why you shouldn't make New Year's resolutions, that's still kind of talking about it as a concept. So here we are talking about it here. The traditional way of making a New Year's resolution is to think about something that you want to accomplish in the new year or some some bad habit that you want to give up. And, you know, the idea is to use the energy of a new year and a fresh start to create new habits and and or to let go of old ones that, you know, that you don't want to keep and to kind of commit to that. And that's the energy that's going to carry you through that change process. And that framing of resolutions is basically setting us up for failure. I don't know whether you listening to this right now have heard all of my episodes about change, why it's hard, some of the places we can get stuck in that process, what the most effective ways to change are. If you haven't, might I recommend scrolling back through my history because there's some really great episodes on that. But at a very high level, the reason that that type of typical New Year's resolution that I just described sets us up for failure is that it's too big, it's too much of a leap for us to make, or it's too many changes all at once. Like maybe you make more than one resolution, or maybe you make a resolution that kind of requires an entire life or personality overhaul. That's just not realistic. The other is that it's too sudden, because it kind of sets you up almost as this like all or nothing, you switch a flip and you've changed rather than recognizing that there is a process involved in making a change. And you kind of have to commit to the process and to letting it take the time that it takes, rather than being kind of a one and done, I made the decision and I'm never going back on it sort of thing. Also, I think a lot of New Year's resolutions are often based on avoidance, like trying to avoid something that we feel negatively about, or shame about rather than a desire to do something better or to be different than we are. For example, a lot of people will have resolutions about losing weight or stopping drinking or, you know, changing their eating habits, like, oh, I want to eat healthy this year, that kind of stuff. 
And those are all pretty great habits to want to change. I'm not trying to say that, but they're coming from a place of negative avoidance rather than positive approach, which is just always less effective as a motivating energy and is also sort of based in punishment thinking, lack thinking, (laughs) rather than creation and abundance and expansion. There's also the fact that when we're trying to avoid some kind of punishment, we're, we're coming from often our ego, like our conscious mind, our rational mind, making that choice. And that can sometimes set us in opposition with our subconscious and our actual belief system, our actual emotions, our actual needs, because we have this part of us that's trying to keep us safe and trying to avoid punishment saying, hey, we need to change this, we need to do this differently, but not actually taking the time to look at why we were doing that to begin with. And there's always a reason that we're doing something. Everything we do has a reason behind it. So here are some of the reasons that we might be doing something that our conscious mind, our egoic self has decided is bad that we want to stop. There might be a secondary gain. That is, we're getting something out of this bad thing that we're doing. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's avoidance of something that we think is worse. Maybe it's the comfort of the familiar. But if there is a positive gain that we're getting from doing it, it's going to be hard to stop. Another reason might be that we are emotionally not ready or wanting the change. It's something that maybe our rational egoic self wants, but our emotional self doesn't really have an interest in or isn't very motivated to pursue. It could be that We have some subconscious beliefs that are contributing to why we are doing the thing we want to change. But if we don't address those, we just frame the the change itself as a choice and as a matter of willpower or even like moral failure if we don't accomplish it. And the final reason is that we might not be examining the systems that we're operating in the systems that we have going in our lives that we could leverage to make the change easier on ourselves. Again, we're just sort of trying to put it all on willpower and white knuckling uh, that change and kind of forcing it from an egoic place. Again, everything we do has a reason for it. And okay, sometimes maybe the reason is just that it's a habit and we have a lot of inertia behind doing that thing. It is still really helpful for you to understand that that's what you're working against in order to make a change. But sometimes we're doing something because it's an active coping mechanism for ongoing stressors in our lives. That kind of habit is very difficult to quit if you cannot find a replacement habit that kind of serves those stress relief goals and satisfies that need. So if that's what you're working against, you're going to need to find a way to replace that coping mechanism with one that's serving you better, not just try and quit it. Because otherwise, your stress level is going to go through the roof. And what happens? You're going to lose your willpower, you're going to have an emotional breakdown, and you're going to go back to all of your worst coping mechanisms. Looking a little more closely at beliefs that might interfere with our desire to change. Like, what do I mean by that? What does that look like? Okay, say you have a resolution that you want to stop drinking coffee. 
and you have all these, you know, health benefits that it offers you, but you have a subconscious belief, basically an emotional belief that coffee and caffeine is what allows you to function. Your willpower will almost never win against that kind of emotional subconscious belief in the long term. You might be able to get through a few days or even a few weeks, but as soon as your vigilance slips, as soon as you get distracted by something else or you have a hard day or, you know, you wake up that morning and you're just so exhausted, you feel like a zombie. What are you doing? You're like, oh, that was just it was a dumb resolution. I need this. I have to have this going back for the caffeine. And by the way, I'm not trying to hate on anybody that has a caffeine habit. I'm just I tried to pick something that I think a lot of people can relate to. So if you have that emotional belief that I can't function without this caffeine, then your fear of not being able to show up for your life is going to make you justify giving up the resolution rather than giving up the coffee. Or, okay, maybe you give up coffee, but you switch to tea and energy drinks. It's the same vice in a different package. You didn't change anything. Like, let's be real. So again, if you have that emotional belief it's going to prioritize itself rather than this change that your rational egoic self is trying to make. Let's look at another example. Let's say you want to get organized. Okay, well, why do you want to get organized? Well, because I'm under a lot of stress and I feel overwhelmed all the time because I feel disorganized. Okay, what happens if you have an emotional belief that you getting organized is only going to end up increasing your workload Because once you're organized, you'll be able to take more on. So if you have that kind of belief that you're actually going to end up with more on your plate and more stress as a result of getting organized, you will never get organized because being organized would lead to an unsafe outcome or a worse outcome than where you are right now. You would have a resistance to making that particular change because of what you believe about what would happen if that change were to go through. So yeah, the typical style of New Year's resolution sets us up to fail because it doesn't take into account how our minds actually work and how our emotional beliefs actually work. I think we've seen a shift away from resolutions in the last decade or 15 years because they do so often fail. And so a lot of people have experiences as adults of making a resolution and then watching it fail within a few weeks or maybe at most a couple months. That kind of reinforces this belief that change is hard, or maybe it reinforces a personal narrative about how we're a failure because we can't make a change. And again, the problem is not that we can't make a change, is that we're trying to make too much of a change too quickly. We're going about it in the wrong way. We're not really aligned with the change that we think we want to make. And And the change is not going to be something that is better for our life, or at least we're not convinced on like a really deep emotional level is going to be better for our life. But are there alternative or maybe positive ways to approach resolutions? I think so. To me, the key with making a a change is sorting out the emotions and the beliefs first. You have to want to make the change happen. Like you have to want the change in order to make it happen. And I mean, truly want it, want it in your body, (laughs) in your dopamine receptors, not just in your mind, in your conscious, egoic, rational self. 
you want it so much that doing it feels better than not doing it. So how do you make yourself want a change? How do you find the right kind of resolution that you're going to want in this way? Well, maybe you could make your resolution a gift to yourself. Not a gift to your future self, but a gift to who you are right now. You deserve gifts too. You deserve joy and pleasure. You deserve comfort and gentleness and delight and adventure and wonder and connection and to feel good in your body. And you do. You do. We all do. Those are the kinds of experiences that make life worth living. And though we live in a modern world with a lot of things and amenities, like here in the West, here in America, we actually have a scarcity of what really matters. All the consumerism and the things and the shallow distractions are our cultural attempt to paper over the loneliness and the fear and the pain and the existential despair that we feel in our souls, kind of asking, is this really it? Is this is this, is this really all there is to life? So how might your resolutions look if you were to center them around your emotional and embodied experiences? If you were trying to give yourself more of what really matters, of what your body and your soul are really craving? Let me offer you an example of this from my own life. So my birthday is in January, and on my birthday last year, I decided to stop drinking alcohol for one year. This was absolutely a gift to myself. It wasn't because I had a drinking problem. I was literally, it was a couple drinks, maybe once a month, maybe like once every six weeks. But I had noticed over the last couple years this trend of having a worse and worse reaction the next day, like headaches, feeling sick, feeling just kind of zombied out in my mind, feeling irritated in my skin, just not right. And it was reaching a point where the punishment definitely seemed disproportionate to the crime. And the last time it happened, which was, you know, a week or so before my birthday, I just, I asked my body, how would it feel if I just stopped drinking alcohol? my body just relaxed. It was this intense relief and this like, oh my God, I've been waiting for you to offer me this kind of feeling. Like it was such a deep sense of longing that I nearly cried to tune into it, to put it into words for my body to tell me what it had subtly been trying to ask me for. That was how deeply those, those aftermaths were hurting me, were hurting my body. And it was wounding me on a psychological level, on an emotional level, to experience that kind of pain and discomfort in my body for something that I did have control over. Like the metabolic reaction I was having to alcohol made my body unsafe for me to inhabit for at least 24 hours, maybe more like 48 hours sometimes afterward. And that's the kind of situation that's different from being ill, having a chronic 
disease or something like that. It's a choice. It felt like a gift to my body and to my emotional experience of of myself and my body for my ego to offer its willpower and strategizing on their behalf in order for me to resist drinking alcohol. I decided to try as an experiment for one year to see what happened, just to kind of learn my temptations and triggers. And then after that time, I felt like I might do some experimenting to see if, you know, it's okay in certain circumstances, certain liquors, certain combinations, if it's one drink is okay, but not two, you know, that kind of thing, knowing that it might end up being I make a decision to never drink alcohol again. So the gift that I gave myself was being sober for a year. There were some stressful days when I really wanted a drink to relax. I had some devastating emotional letdowns in that year when I really wanted a drink to numb out and just get a break from it. I had vacations with friends who drink when I had it all around me and on offer pretty much at all times. There were times in those vacations when my sensory overload became intolerable and I had to leave the situation and my friends because I wasn't using alcohol to disconnect from my body. I had celebrations with friends where I really wanted to join in their champagne toasts. And what kept me from saying yes to any of those times was the way that my body had felt relieved by the thought of no alcohol and... What kept me going also was the way every single morning after I had been tempted and said no, I woke up and felt good in my body. And I felt grateful to not have the headache and to not feel exhausted, to not have that sense of recovering from, you know, basically a low-key poisoning. It truly was giving myself a gift with that resolution and the carrying through of it. It was a gift that I was cherishing on a regular basis, that my body was grateful for on a regular basis, that my emotional self was glad for on a regular basis. So if you can make a resolution that has that kind of power behind it, that kind of emotional and embodied alignment, it will actually be easy for you to keep. And the job of your egoic self will simply to be remembering in the face of temptation, the promise that you made to yourself, and the gift that you're trying to give yourself. So what does this look like? Well, okay, say you you have a resolution around working out more getting fit. If you're doing it for the sake of looking better, like for the external gaze, that's probably not the right kind of gift to yourself. But if you want to feel strong and confident and to move with more ease in your body, that might be. That might be the right kind of gift. Or if you're wanting to stop caffeine because you think you should, you've read these things about how it's not that great for you, and or, you know, maybe you looked at your your budget and realized I'm spending $500 a year on coffee. That's not sustainable. I don't know. I don't know your life. 
but that's why you want to, you know, cut back, stop drinking caffeine. That's maybe not the right kind of gift. But if you've tuned into your body and recognized a pattern that, oh, when I drink caffeine, I feel anxious and overstimulated, and that's why you want to quit, that is probably the right kind of gift. But there's other kinds of gifts you can give yourself too. Sometimes you're just giving yourself gifts that are positive experiences. They just add good things to your life. You see, resolutions don't need to be these stern, repressive, Calvinistic sacrifices. You can resolve just to spend more time laughing or more more time with your friends. You know, resolve to host a dinner party once a quarter or to, to take a trip, um, like take a road trip with a friend or, or even just get together with someone that you care about and have a weekend where you play tourists in your own town. Like you can make that kind of resolution. You can make resolutions for adventures. You can resolve to work your way through a cookbook over the course of a year. You can resolve to see 52 sunsets. Or if you're like a, a morning person, you can resolve to see 52 sunrises. I mean, that's one a week. But if that's something that you would cherish, that your body would delight in, commit to doing it and take the steps to give that to yourself. Or you could resolve to learn something you've been curious about or to try something you've always wanted to experience. There are just so many ways that you can use resolutions that don't involve guilt or shame or punishing ourselves for being where we are. There are resolutions that we can use to make our lives better right now that aren't setting us up for failure, that aren't asking us to sacrifice anything, or that aren't kind of telling us that we as we are right now and our experience right now doesn't matter, only our future self matters. No, you get to matter too. You as you are in this moment gets to matter and your experience gets to matter. If your past self left you holding the bag on something, you taking steps to correct it or undo it out of love for yourself and compassion for your own body and your own emotional experience, like taking those steps will do a long way toward making it better for you right now. Just treating yourself with compassion and with grace. And if you do want to build something for your future self to benefit from, great. Start by building consideration of yourself and your body. Learn what you need and then attend to it. You'll have more to build with later. You can set yourself up for resolution success. Make it a positive resolution. Make it a resolution that you actively, actually want. Make your resolution a gift to yourself. And then over the course of the year, if you feel tempted to give up on that resolution, just remember how it felt to promise yourself that gift. Let it feel good to keep a promise to yourself. If a resolution that you're thinking of doesn't feel like a gift to yourself, if it's not something that your body or your soul is crying for, find a different one. Like, you get to choose. You're in charge. Making a resolution is committing to making a change. Change is a gift that we give to ourselves. 
The most effective way to make a change stick is by making it a change that we want, making it a gift that we would really cherish. So decide that you're worth it. Figure out what you need from yourself. Give it to yourself generously. And then receive it from yourself gratefully. I would love to hear about any gifts you're thinking about giving for yourself. (laughs) Giving for yourself? (laughs) I would love to hear about any gifts you're thinking about giving to yourself in the year ahead. And that is it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending this time with me. If you want to know more about my work, you can check out thepatternbreaker.com or follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next time, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for this week? <laughs> <laughs>